Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. So far in this series on the church, we've, we have seen the amazing plan of God, that he has been gathering a people for himself, to be in fellowship with him, with God and with one another. Indeed, we saw that was the purpose of God in creating men in his own image. And he commits himself to that humanity. That means he persists with humanity even when they reject him. He redeems and he reconciles some to himself. And that redeeming and reconciling work is all focused on the work of the Lord Jesus for us. The work which is affected in our life by the Spirit of God. And so we've been working over these weeks with the definition of church as follows. The church is the the gathering of God's people in order to meet the Lord Jesus in his word by the power of his Holy Spirit. The church is the gathering of God's people in order to meet the Lord Jesus in his word by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now just just note as as I say that how it's a definition focused on God. The God, Father, Son and Spirit. You see we are God's people gathered to the Lord Jesus to hear him in his word and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet in the definition we also have this, we have and in fellowship with one another. The church is the gathering of God's people in order to meet the Lord Jesus in his word by the power of the Holy Spirit and in fellowship with one another. And that with one another is vitally important. We saw that last week as we looked in Ephesians 2. God gathers people into the church family to be in fellowship with each other. He was making one people. God who is one has one people. And he's not a God who has many peoples. God reconciles people together to make one people of God. However, that raises another set of questions. You see, how does this... The, the picture of God having one people relate to the many local churches that there are. Now as we gather on Sunday, are we the church? How are we one people of God? You know, we've been seeing just how staggering the work of God is. And yet, I wonder whether you sometimes feel, when you come to church, it can seem a bit pathetic, can't it? We're seeing these amazing things about God gathering a people to himself, and yet you come to church... And there's maybe a few hundred people there. It's hard sometimes to see it forward because there is quite a lot of people. Uh, do you know, when I finished uh, uni, Kirsty and I got married and we, we moved to a small place called Barnoldswick. It's a great name, Barnoldswick. Um, it's, it's, sorry, this is not in my notes. It was the place where you went, if you wanted to move in with somebody without getting married, you used to go to Barnoldswick, so it was as far as the train could take you, and you got off in the back of beyond. And so people used to put their wedding certificates in the window of their house so people knew they were married, if they actually had got married. Then we were there, and we went to a church there, and there was 40 members in the church. Uh, Kirsty and I joined, there was a couple of other people our age, and 40 other people really. And you know, we loved it. But when we were there, just those 40 people on a Sunday morning, and then in the summer when some people went on holiday and there wasn't as many people there, you, you sometimes could wonder, what's, what's going on here? It seems a bit pathetic. It seems a bit, it, there's nothing much going on here. Not very impressive. How does this relate to the great vision of God gathering a people to himself? 
And for some of you, as you leave uni, for many of you actually, when you leave uni, that may well be the case for you. You go to churches where there's not many people, where it can seem a little bit pathetic, it can seem hard work, it can be tough. How does that relate to what we've been seeing? Well, let me give you the headline of where we're going this morning. You see, as we gather together as Christians to the Lord Jesus around his word, we are expressing a heavenly reality. You see, there's two things going on. We are gathered now to the Lord Jesus in heaven. And that is expressed when we meet around the world in different congregations. So turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and we'll begin there. And let me read from verse 18. So Hebrews chapter 12, reading from verse 18. The book of Hebrews is written to people who are thinking of giving up on the Christian faith. In particular, Jewish Christians who are thinking of turning back to Jewish teaching. And they are thinking of turning away from Jesus and back to that Old Testament uh, teaching. And the writer throughout the book has been showing them uh, how great Jesus is. And how Jesus is the fulfilment of all that happened in the Old Testament. And to keep listening to God and trusting Jesus. And then he says this in chapter 12. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches a mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, And to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Well in these few verses the writer is making a contrast. He contrasts the church gathering in the Old Testament. When the people of God came to Mount Sinai. And he's contrasting that with the church now. And he starts the contrast by first saying you have not come. In verse 18. And then he says, but you have come, verse 22. He wants to show how the church gathering now is so much better than the one in the Old Testament. Now they're not the easiest verses to understand, but let's have a, let's have a go as we uh, focus on these verses. So first of all, we have not come. You see it in verse 18? You have not come. And so let's think about the, that church. Uh, where was that church? He doesn't actually say uh, which mountain he's speaking of, but what he says shows that he's talking of Mount Sinai, the, the, the mountain where Israelites gathered to. Do you remember God saved the people from Egypt, led them through the Red Sea, and, they, and they, God took them to Mount Sinai where he came and met with them. And the word used in the Old Testament of that occasion is that they churched together at Mount Sinai. It's what they were saved to do. 
And so they have come to a physical place. Do you see verse 18? A place that can be touched. It was a physical place. You could put it on a map. That's where they have come to. That's where the church was at that time. And who was there? Well, the Old Testament tells us uh, that the people of God were there. The entire community that was saved from Egypt uh, have now come and are standing at this mountain. Moses was there, and he was the one who stood between God and the people. But also, can you see that God was there? And look what that caused. Because that's what, what the verse, in verse 18 goes on to say. You see, there was burning. The mountain was burning with fire. There was darkness, there was gloom, and there was a storm. All of this is meant to kind of show just how awesome the majesty of God is at that time. Now here is a holy God meeting with his people and it is awesome. Now Moses describes it in Deuteronomy and he says this. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire and to the very heavens with black clouds and deep darkness. It must have been an awesome sight to gather to the place where God was. And you see what did they hear at that time? You see, they they heard a trumpet blast and the voice of God speaking words. You see, they came to this place together and they heard the voice of God. A place of revelation, a place of God speaking to his people. And you see it in verse 19. You see it to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it. And now when we... Uh, read accounts in the Old Testament. The words spoken by God there explain the covenant. They explain what it was to relate to God at that time. And that's what they hear. They hear God explaining what it means to be in relationship with him. What it means to live and how they are to live. Well, maybe the person next to you just ask, answer this question. Uh, what is the people's response to this awesome gathering to hear God speak? Have a look at the verses just with the person next to you for a couple of minutes. What's the people's response? Sydney. Um, we went on what's called the scenic railway. Now I think that the marketing of that is all wrong because it wasn't very scenic. Um, I should have been alerted something was wrong because when you got on you were almost lying backwards on this carriage thing. That when it kind of went down, it just went down a sheer cliff. And that's what it felt like. And I was absolutely petrified of this thing that's kind of been suspended by a rope going down a sheer cliff. Um, when we got to the bottom, Harry uh, turned around to me and said, Dad, can you let go of my hand? Because you're hurting me. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, that my sense of terror at that kind of experience, of feeling like something really bad's going to happen to me, is nothing compared to what the Israelites are feeling here. Uh, they're terrified... And they don't want to be addressed by this awesome God anymore. And so Moses becomes the mediator between them. And even he is terrified. And you see, the reason they are so scared is what the holiness of God means for them. You know, they're told they must not set foot on the mountain. As it was holy because it was God's mountain and God is holy. God is holy and pure and he cannot have contact with anything impure. So even if an animal set foot on the mountain, as the writer writes here, it must have been, it had to be stoned to death. 
If that had to happen even to an animal, think how much greater it would be when moral beings such as us come to that place. You see the real paradox that there is then at that Old Testament gathering. Here they are gathered to God to hear him speak, but they can't come anywhere near him. Because of the danger that there is. You see there's an approaching God, but they have to be very distant from God at the same time. Gathering at a distance. They had to remain at a distance from God who saved them and spoke to them. And can you see how very different that is to where we have come? So where we have come, verses 22 to 24. The tone is completely different. So see where is this church gathering if we ask the same questions. Look at verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You see, we have come to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. That's where we have come. Now Mount Zion refers to the hill which the temple was built on in the Old Testament. And yet you see that this is not actually a physical place because it's the heavenly Jerusalem. It was to be the place that God symbolically dwelt on earth. It was where God was to be found. And see, we've come now to the heavenly place where God is. We've come to the city of the living God. And see, this city is the place where God is wonderfully and powerfully present with his people. And see it is that we have now come to this place. You have come, he says here. No, it's not that you will come. It's that we have come. As we gather together, we express a reality that we have come to this heavenly city, this heavenly Jerusalem. And it, it, what we have come to now will be where we come to in the end. It's both a, a now and a future thing. But now that as we are united to Christ and his spirit, we are in this heavenly city, this heavenly church. And it picks up on the language we heard last week from Ephesians. Do you remember what we, what we heard there? That in Christ that we are made alive. That we have been raised with him and seated with him in heaven. But you see the same kind of idea in Colossians 3. Where it says, raise your mind, set your hearts on things above where you are seated. And they've been raised with Christ. So this heavenly gathering now is where we have come. Well let's ask the question, who's there? Look what the writer says in verse 22 again. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. You've come to myriads of angels. It's a wonderful vision of these beings in joyful assembly. But he goes on. To the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. Now the, the church of the firstborn is, is all brothers and, Christians, Christ, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. Christians who have been brought to Christ now are there. The church of the firstborn, the church of Christ. And so this is Christians from all ages and from all around the world are now there in heaven All who are trusting in Christ for salvation are there. And when you become a Christian in Christ, you are gathered to this place. You are in this heavenly place. 
But you see, it's not just angels and believers who are in this place. You see what it says? You have come to God, the judge of all men. It's a place where God is. We've come to God. And so in this church, we are gathered to God. We are in the presence of God in this heavenly city. Because that is what God saved us for. We are God's people gathered. We're gathered to the same God as the Israelites did in Sinai. And see also that Jesus is there. Verse 24. We have come to Jesus, the mediator. We've come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. We have come to the Lord Jesus. Think again what we said, that we are the churches, the gathering of God to the Lord Jesus. That's what we've been gathered for. And see also that this group hears something. So what do this group hear? Verse 24. We have been gathered to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the, than the blood of Abel. We hear the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Now it's a, a tricky a little phrase that, and I think what it means is, it, it, what it means is that Jesus guarantees our relationship now with God. His blood guarantees our relationship with God. The blood of Jesus means that the judge of all the earth is not now to be feared because it makes us perfect. His blood speaks wonderfully for us and it speaks a better word than Abel. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word than Abel. Now, if you know your Old Testament history, you'll know that Abel was an Old Testament character from Genesis who was murdered He was murdered by his brother Cain. And symbolically Abel cries out for justice. For what was done to him. But what we've been showing is that Jesus' blood doesn't cry out for justice. It satisfies justice. Jesus' blood sprinkled brings forgiveness. Jesus' blood is better than all the Old Testament sacrifices. Which never took away sins fully. And that's what the whole of the book of Hebrews has been showing. And so what Jesus speaks is that there is a mediator of a new covenant. There is a better way. A covenant where his blood guarantees that we can be present with God and gathered to God. His blood means that we are his and there is nothing that can take us away from that. So see at the heart of this gathering again there is speaking. Speaking the word of God is not secondary to what God does in gathering. Well, if I was to ask you, as I did before, what's the response of this gathered people to what they hear and, what they, and where they are? What would you say? Have a look at the verses and the person next to you. What's the response to this gathering? I don't know if you... Do you know when, you, when the, your team has won uh, the FA Cup and they, they, come, they come home uh, to the city and they, they parade through the streets on the, the open top bus and they've got the, you know, the ticker tape that kind of it falls down from the sky. It's just like this joyful excitement of, a, of an occasion. Uh, Zach, Zach's nodding. He, he's had the experience of this. Um, might be the last for a while. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's this kind of idea of of joyful assembly, of, of coming together for something really joyful and amazing. 
That God has saved us. His blood, the blood of Jesus now speaks a better word than the, than the able. So that we can come to God and we can worship him and enjoy him. It's a, a happy occasion. It's a joyful occasion. It's an occasion for rejoicing. It's as if we're on the bus and God is with us. And we are shouting hallelujah for what he has done for us. You see, in, the, in, in Hebrews is saying that is where we have come. Yes, we will experience it fully in the future. But now we have come to that place because of what Jesus has done. That's what church is. There's this heavenly reality and that we are part of it now. And as we come together here and now, we express that reality. So coming together, what's the significance of our gatherings together? Well, can you see that when we are gathering together, we express this reality. What greater gathering could there be than to express this kind of reality? You see, we are all there. There is just one people of God. But now as we gather together in different places, we express that. So let's just tease that out a little bit more. Uh, scattered gatherings is the heading if you're taking notes. You see, in Hebrews, the writer is speaking to a Christian gathering and saying that their meeting together is an expression of that heavenly church and that they are a true church because they are reflecting the magnificence of this heavenly church. Uh, when we gather together, it can seem pretty pathetic. We can gather with each other and it can seem pretty lame. We can think it doesn't really matter if we don't come to church when we think like that. Because it's a pretty lame gathering. It's an earthly thing. It's not really the main game. It's not that impressive. But just see how the writer to the Hebrews has written. He's making a comparison. He is saying one thing is not as good as the other thing. And so the gathering at Sinai is nowhere near as good as the gathering which happens now, he says. That's, what, that's the point of what he's saying. The meeting together of the Hebrews was more impressive than what happened at Sinai. I wonder if you thought, you, if you were going to come to church tonight and gather with God's people there, and you thought that there was going to be burning and smoking fire And you were going to hear the trumpet blast and the voice of God. And that was going to happen every week. Would you be thinking, I'm going to go to that because it will be awesome. Well, the writer to the Hebrews says that what happens now is much, much better. Because you're gathering around God in heaven. You see, we still gather. We're still in the presence of God. God is still just and holy and awesome. And we still gather to hear his word. But now we gather in close proximity. We gather without fear but with great joy. We gather because of the word of Jesus. And these gatherings are scattered throughout the world. And because of this gathering in the heavens, then there can be those scattered gatherings throughout the world. And these gatherings show the beginnings of God remaking the world. It is how God is reversing the judgment of scattering. 
You see, as the gospel creates believers, then there's a new church in that place. Where two or three believers gather in my name, says Jesus, I am there. You see, the gospel comes first, but then it creates this gathering. And when you, when you see these things, you can think about how the Bible uses the word church. And when you read the Bible, it refers either to the heavenly church. This heavenly church is the universal church in other language. And it provides stability to everything else. But the other way the New Testament consistently uses the word church is to speak of a local gathering. So Paul can write to the church in Corinth or the church that meets in Philemon's house or the New Testament or it can speak of the New Testament churches, plural, a number of different gatherings. You see, that is, the different gatherings are never referred to as a church. They're always churches. They're different gatherings and meet in different places. And each local gathering is spoken of as a church. A true church. A full church. It's not spoken of as part of a church. The way the New Testament views church is that they are whole and complete in and of themselves. And these full and true churches are scattered across the whole world now. Expressing the heavenly reality which the writer to the Hebrew writes about. And it's one of the great mercies of God that that can happen. That the gospel can go out throughout the world and gather people into this salvation that God has made. And their church is in a full and true sense. Because of this connection with the heavenly church. They are a true, a true church and need nothing more to make them a church. So think about Christ Church Fullwood. It's a true church. Gathering around, God's people gather to the Lord Jesus to hear his word and the power of the Spirit. You see, it's a true church not because it is connected to the Church of England. That doesn't make it a true church. It's a true church not because it's connected to any other kind of structure. It's a true church because it's connected to the Lord Jesus. Gathering to hear him speak in his word by the power of the Spirit. And so just see this. If this is what God's doing, if this is what the church is reflecting, see how important this gathering together of God's people in every place is. You see, there's nothing more important than this gathering that God has been achieving. There's nothing more important than making sure that we come together each week to express our amazement and our gratitude to God for what he is doing. I wonder, what what do you miss church for? When you think on a Sunday, I'm not going to go to church today, why, what's the reason that you're not going to go on that day? Now does that reflect what you value above going to church, above this gathering? You see, the gathering of God in heaven is to be expressed physically and locally now. So why don't you come? There's a chance to pick that up in questions in a few moments. 
And just notice another implication though. Uh, gathering to Jesus. Now in both the descriptions of the church that we have in Hebrews here, the end point is in speaking. So at Sinai it was God speaking. And now it is God speaking in the Lord Jesus. It's the word of Jesus' blood. You see, God speaks at Sinai and he still speaks now through the word of the Lord Jesus. The word of Jesus which speaks a better word. And this better word both makes the church and continues to build the church. And if you think about it, what makes Christians? Well, it's the words as they hear the word of God, the word about Jesus. It's how God brings people into his family, into his gathering. So there are lots of things that we can do as Christians which are right and good. Caring for the needs of others, working for the good of our society, doing good deeds. But those things in and of themselves don't mean evangelism. Evangelism is when people hear the word about Jesus and are drawn into the family as they respond to that. And so as we gather now, the gospel gathers us into communities... And then as we gather together, we still want to have right at the heart that word of Jesus. And it's why we have preaching at church for this very reason. It's why it's at the heart of what we do. We want to be those who are listening to the wonderful work of the Lord Jesus on our behalf and understanding more of his purposes and ways and wills in the world. And we want to be listening to the wonderful work of our Saviour. We want to learn what his plans and purposes are. What his plans are to prosper us and to flourish us. That's why in Hebrews, in verse 25 of chapter 12, the the, the writer issues a stark warning. Again, using a structure of, uh, using a lesser to a greater structure. So he says, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth... So that's saying in the Old Testament when people refused God, they didn't escape. How much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? You see, if we turn away from God, there's no hope for us. Can you see that? If salvation is found in Jesus and we turn away from that word, then, then we've turned away from the place where there's a better word. <coughs> No hope precisely for the reason that we've turned away from the salvation of the world. And so we must keep listening to Jesus. It's why when we come together, we have right at the heart of everything that we do, listening to God speak. It's why here at Lighthouse, we are serious about studying the Bible together so that we might know his ways. Because there is found salvation. It's why at church on a Sunday night, we have a sermon which is taking seriously God's word to us, the word about the Lord Jesus, so that we might understand what he has done for us and we might know how to live in response to it. And so we come to hear God speak in Jesus, in his word. Well, there's some more questions to think about those things a little bit more in your groups.